Hi, I'm Michael Hartman. I'm Naomi Liu. And I'm Mike Rizzo. And this is OpsCast. A podcast for marketing ops pros. And RevOps pros. Created by the MoPros, the number one community for marketing operations professionals. Tune in to each episode as we chat with real professionals to help elevate you in your marketing operations career. Hello, everyone, and welcome to OpsCast episode 13. Uh, remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform when you get this. Uh, we'll remind you again later. I am Michael Hartman, your co-host. I'm joined today, as usual, by my co-host Naomi Liu and Mike Rizzo. Please say hello, everyone. Hello, hello. everybody. Hi. All right. Today, we're really excited to have two guests with us. Joining us today are M.H. Lines, the CEO of Stack Moxie, and Helen Abramova, the marketing operations lead at Verizon. And they're here today to talk about one of the realities of marketing ops that sometimes those of us in marketing ops don't really want to talk about or highlight, and that is that part of the job really is we're kind of IT for marketing. So let's get started. First, MH Helen, thank you for joining us today. How about each of you give us a chance to uh, hear a little more about your story and who you are? Um, MH, why don't you start for us? Sure. Um, I'm MH Lines. I'm the founder and CEO at Stack Moxie, as you mentioned. Um, at Stack Moxie, we do no code automated testing and monitoring for sales and marketing technology stacks. Um, you can kind of think of it as allowing ops people to bring the same discipline and quality to their tech stack that engineers bring to their code. Um, and I came to this from working in marketing operations. So I helped build some of the cooler centers of excellence um, in marketing operations and also set up a bunch of little programs at some cool startups as well. So um, work at a hub spot, different disciplines, a little bit of Pardot, a little bit of Eloqua, all over the place. Awesome. Thanks, MH. Helen, how about you? Sure. Uh, so I'm Helen, and right now I'm with Verizon Business, but obviously I'm here in my own capacity. And um, I'm in Marketo world, heavily involved in managing marketing ops and tech um, for large enterprise. And um, I've been very much involved with Marketo community and like surrounding communities. And I'm very excited to be here to talk about that. Fantastic. This is going to, I think it's going to be a good one because we've got people who cover kind of different size organizations and things like that. Um, so let's, let's like, first things first, I think, you know, I, I, I think I started out right saying some of us don't really like to admit that we're kind of an IT role in marketing ops. You know, why, why do you think that, uh, you know, that's the case with people, especially when, you know, one of the things that defines marketing ops in my world, at least from my perspective, uh, that's consistent across different marketing ops roles is that you own the tech stack, right? So by definition, you kind of have IT responsibility. Why do you think that is the case that those of us who are in the in this role don't always want to highlight or talk about it? Who wants to go first? I I can. It's funny. We had a conversation yesterday at Image. Um and we were talking to someone else in the in the profession, and the guy kept saying, "We're a marketer first. I'm I'm in marketing ops, but I'm a marketer first. I'm not ops first. 
Um, and I would argue that some of the best ops people that I've worked with actually were software engineers first or were QA first or were in some ops role first. They weren't necessarily a marketer first. Um, and so I, I think, I don't know why that disconnect exists, but I think it's demonstrably true that that it is not how we like to think of ourselves necessarily in the marketing ops profession in aggregate. Um, and it's certainly how I thought about myself, right? When I thought about wanting a table of at the table in strategy, I wanted to think about how do we talk to customers? I wanted to think about how do we understand customers, not about the IT component of, of what I was managing and owning a tech stack. Helen, what do you yeah. think it is? So I, I wanted to kind of <laughs> expand a little bit on what MH just said, because I do think, and I kind of feel in the same way. And I would even say like, I'm business first, right? And I like, I'm coming from a place where I really want to see the bottom line and how what I'm doing is impacting that, right? And they really want to understand. And that's why like, you, you almost like have to hide this like technology behind you because you don't want to be perceived as like too tactical. Or I do believe there is some kind of like technology stigma around that. And as awful as it sounds, but it does feel like you, if you are technical, you are not necessarily invited to any kind of like strategical conversation. And that's a big challenge that we are facing. And that's why I do feel that um, sometimes we have to kind of uh, put this business hat and like, and, uh, you know, start like this kind of conversation where it would help us to drive those like technology-related, IT-related uh, conversations, a little bit like on the back end. I think um, I keep yeah. going back to like, back. no one wants to be the IT guy from when I first started my career. Um, the IT guy was always the guy who was like, no, you're so stupid. It doesn't work like that. Did you try and turn your computer on again? I feel like the ops person is 100% that person today. Like whenever you call your ops person, they roll their eyes like, well, that's a dumb question, but let me help you restart your computer. Um, and so I think no one wants to be that IT guy that who starts with no and who eye rolls as as a rule. But we totally are those people almost. So I, I, I always I always struggle with that. Like, how do you say no without saying no? Right. But I think because I think there's times when we have to say no. Um, I do think it's incumbent on us, though, if we want to have a chance at being a, have a seat at that strategy table, that we have to be able to come back with, this is why I'm saying no to this particular thing, right? But this is how I think we can enable you with technology or process or whatever. Naomi, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, I, I, we've talked about this a few times before, but I, saying that I, I'm, I'm IT for marketing is really the only way that I've been able to explain what I do to family who are not in <laughs> It's so true. <laughs> when I say that, they're like, oh, okay, I got it now. 10 years later, you know, um, that's really the only way. And even within the organizations that I've worked at, people assume that I work within IT, like our own IT teams, you know, we'll have conversations. And then I realize they actually think I roll up into their org. And I'm like, no, what do you mean? Sorry, what? No, what? Like, no, <laughs> what? right? And 
they don't actually realize that I roll up into marketing and not into our, you know, our head of IT or our CIO or whatnot. Um, I, I am actually okay with that personally um, because I, I do like the technology IT side of things, but I do definitely have moments where I'm biting my tongue because I'm trying to, and I'm sure, you know, and maybe Helen, you, you have this thing too, or do you ever have the moment where you're kind of like, well, if I had a crystal ball, I could do this for you. <laughs> you know? Or let me try to read your mind. Um, let me whip out a, but uh, I, I always default back to the technology, but on the IT side, it's, it's regardless of how you want to be described or, or, or your feelings around that, it's the best way that I've found to be able to describe, you know, what marketing ops does to non-marketing ops people. It's like, let me whip out a magic wand and I'll make this happen for you (laughs) for that request. And, and, and to the point about how do you say no without actually saying no, Michael, I've been watching, um, uh, for all mankind on Apple TV plus, and I'm, I'm a little late, but I'm getting into season two. And, and I think it's like episode one or episode two, the guy like really wants to go on a flight. He's really got the credentials for it. And he goes in and he asks one of the main characters who's kind of the controller of who gets to go up into space. And he says, I'll let you know when you're ready. And that's his way of saying no to everybody. So like, I think the next time someone comes to us with a request, we could just say, I'll let you know when you're ready for that kind of a campaign. (laughs) Wow. I think you're going to need to duck then at that point. (laughs) Yeah, someone's getting really bad, but hey, it's, it's not saying no. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, so I th- since I think we all are here sort of acknowledging, right, that we're IT for marketing, right, to take Naomi's uh, thread, I, I agree. Like, how do you explain it to your family is, is always tough. But so what do you, you know, given that that is part of our role, and it usually is, you know, what do you see from your perspective as the sort of the biggest sort of IT sort of challenges that you're seeing in marketing ops today, uh, whether it's, you know, in general, what you're seeing in the community or in, in your own specific examples of where you're at, maybe Helen, you go first. Cause you probably like you work at a enterprise organization. Yeah. And, uh, I do think that that's kind of like, uh, it's just like general observation, right? That the biggest challenge is around, um, the fact that the technology that we enable, that we built, is going to be used by someone else ultimately. And the ultimate success is kind of like out of our hands because we very much rely, rely on people to use it properly. And this is where it's becoming like you might have excellent mobs people, very talented and very experienced and everything and hardworking, but like you're missing some other components in this wonderful cocktail. And it's not, it's not working out ultimately. And this is where there are lots of frustration and like lots of disappointment happen. And I do think that like this is the overall like IT literacy or mobs literacy that really needs to happen before it all just kind of come into fruition. So can I, I want to dive into that just a little bit more. So do you think that, um, because I, I think you hit on a really good point, right? That the technology is, tends to be used not only by people in marketing ops who are maybe a little more oriented towards technology, but maybe by other marketers or salespeople. You know, what do you think that is a product of the the actual platforms that are out there available for us to use and how they've evolved to be more or less easy to use from a front end standpoint, or do you think it's 
more about how we've tried to use them as marketing ops professionals. Hey everyone, it's Mike Rizzo here, and I'm interrupting your episode to bring you a brief message about, you might have guessed it, Mopsapalooza 2024, our second annual conference held in the vibrant city of Anaheim, California. We're hosting this hybrid event from the 5th of November through the 8th, and we would love for you to join us in person in Anaheim. But if you can't, please join us via live stream, courtesy of our sponsor, Excelevents. We're excited to offer an opportunity for professionals just like you to connect, learn, and grow among the best in the industry. Our event promises to be a highlight of the year, offering invaluable professional development experiences, live workshops, and of course, networking with your peers. Don't miss out on this incredible gathering right next to Disneyland in Southern California. Tickets are going fast. We will cap registration at 700 attendees. Secure your pass by visiting marketingops.com today. And we're looking forward to welcoming you to what is guaranteed to be an unforgettable event. It might just be the best event you've ever attended. But don't take my word for it. You can ask the community at any time. We'll see you there. as marketing professionals, right? So I do yes. think that it's about like, you have this wonderful capabilities, how you assemble, how you orchestrate, how you adopt it, and how you are like making the ultimate result, like product out of it. And this is where, you know, and you have competing priorities. So you have multiple teams trying to kind of like utilize it or tweak it to their own purpose. And and someone needs to orchestrate all of it. Ideally, that's a MOPS leader. But it's not necessarily the case. And then you have kind of like chaotic usage of all this technology and like dozens or like hundreds of technology that might be uh, available in large or- uh, organization, right? And it's, it's a lot of like, you know, back and forth and a lot of uh, confusion how to use it. Like what's the right ap- approach and how to get to this wonderful capabilities if you don't have the foundations done? You know, like that's the biggest, like another big challenge that everyone wants to come like immediately to floor number 30 without like building the foundations and like all this like elevator and pipelines in all meaning. So the the, uh, the, the, the marketing tech house of cards, right? Exactly, uh, exactly. Easy, and no easy. one wants to talk about this. Like, you know, who wants to talk about plumbing? No one, right? But like you still need to have it before you can like decorate your beautiful house. So MH, you, you know, in, in with your company, I'm sure you come across lots of different sort of environments from an IT standpoint for marketing. Okay, what's your like? What are you seeing out there that are the biggest challenges for folks in, in our world? Well, so I can speak to the challenge that was hardest for me to get my head around when I first realized I was coming into an IT role. Um, we were working on a project at Microsoft, um, and they said, "All right." If you're going to run the ops side, if you're marketing ops and you're going to run the ops side, tell me the metrics you're going to use to measure your success. And I was like, lead, lead volume, MQLs are like, those are marketing metrics. What are the ops metrics that you're going to own to say that this thing is working? And I had no vocabulary for it. Um, You know, Luckily, I was with, you know, kind of some of the best IT people in the world, and I got to sit down with them and learn from them, but I'd never heard the term latency. So I'd never heard any of these operational characteristics. And so it was, um, it, God, and it took me months 
right? I still couldn't get my head around which ones were the ones that mattered. I think we just don't have the tools and the metrics and the understanding of the the IT side of our job, the vernacular. We don't have the right words to even describe what we're trying to accomplish and understand how those are KPIs for the marketing metrics, right? Um, and so I think that's that's what was hardest for me and took me the longest to get up to speed on. Um, and you know, so I'm mad. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think you're hitting on something that probably is a big, it's probably a whole topic on itself for us to cover at some point is how do you measure success of marketing ops? Because I think we all struggle with that because I've gone through the same thing where I, I want to say it's somewhat related to revenue or pipeline or leads or some of these things that are not necessarily in our control. And I love the idea that you've, you've got, uh, you know, sort of identify a vocabulary for how to measure that. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You see the, um, there's like a direct inverse correlate, uh, an inverse correlation, not a direct, uh, an inverse correlation of the rise of the tools and the IT budget that the CMO has and the decline in the tenure of the CMO. Um, and, and I would argue that there's some causation there, right? Like the CMO is asking their ops person to do all of this IT stuff and then report back in MQLs. And the the CMO doesn't understand it. The the marketing ops people can't kind of um, translate it um, or understand that they should translate it, right? That there should be some some KPIs that sit here beneath the understanding of the CMO and that they need to translate it um, or relate them back to the right KPIs. That's really, it's insightful. I hadn't thought about that inverse relationship between CMO tenure and the amount of technology spend in marketing. Mike, Naomi, any other additional thoughts from either of you? I, I think one thing that's interesting just about that in general is is that we just got done talking to uh, our guest Vivian on episode 12 around how the path to CMO is through marketing ops. And and so it's an interesting comment that's come up here um, where we're saying, hey, the CMO is asking for things that they don't fully understand and and IT doesn't or or the team in marketing ops doesn't know how to report up into that structure and so perhaps the future really is bringing marketing operations professionals up through their career path to reaching the C-suite and it is to get to CMO because they actually understand what they're asking for and they've architected a path forward there. Um, so interesting that it's come up here again where we're, we're talking about an, an inverse relation, relationship in um, you know IT technology and, and CMO tenure and and uh, and all that stuff. So really uh, insightful. I think the biggest gap between marketing ops and and even that the CMO piece is the strategy part, right? And so you know historically, when people think of IT people, they don't generally think of, you know, they don't associate that with someone who is necessarily going to be a strategic thinker and somebody who, you know, can think outside of the box and somebody who can potentially, you know, um, provide best practices or guidance and things like that. And that's definitely been something that, you know, folks who are even entering the marketing ops um, industry that they've raised as like, how do I get taken, you know, more seriously as a strategic thinker as opposed to just a doer, right? And I think that that's definitely a stigma or a challenge that um, needs to be overcome, right? Because it's not true that someone who has a lot of technical aptitude is someone that can also not 
have a lot of, you know, creative ideas or strategic thoughts and whatnot. It's, I think, the hallmark of a really successful marketing operations professional is somebody who has that like combination of right brain, left brain, right? There is a um, article that was published, it's probably over a year now by the Harvard Business Review, which calls marketing operations people boundary spanners, right? Because they span um, multiple organizations within a business. And the question, like the, the article headline, I think it's called something like, you know, do you need a boundary spanner within your organization? And the answer is absolutely yes, right? Someone who can kind of bridge those gaps, bridge those lines, be the translator between IT and the business and straddle kind of that fence um, of, you know, technical aptitude and, and business need and i think that that's something that as the marketing operations industry matures that's going to be something that is going to become much more apparent i would argue though that the people in their initial jobs the people who are the most successful at that entry level job are the people who get the most campaigns out the door and you do that by being a really great button pusher Yes, right. I would agree. And I'm thinking so, back to early in my career where it was like the wild, wild west of marketing automation, right? Like no GDPR, no castle. Let's, yeah. let's you, you're myopic <laughs> on getting this landing page out the door and you're yeah. thought of as the best person. If you can get that landing page out the door fast mm-hmm. um, and ask the right questions to get that one thing out fast. So I think we kind of breed tactical ops people um, and they get promoted because they're the best at the tactical thing. And those people who might go, oh, shit, I'm looking at this Mercado instance and look at all this complexity and and do try and build the complexity into the program. They're the people who don't get promoted because they never get that campaign out the door. Um, and so I think I think there's kind of a mismatch in what's valued early and what's needed to be successful later. And, and so I think some of the leaders wind up wanting to be strategic, but they don't have a strategic bone in their body. They want to be taken seriously and they think strategic is how you do that when they are incredible at the tactical getting things done stuff. Yeah, that's, I think, well, I think that's not unusual just for marketing ops, right? I think a lot of people get promoted because they're good at whatever their tactical functional area is uh, and not necessarily great at, you know, being strategic. So, but this does bring up, I think, another interesting question. So, you know, one of the things we've talked about before is how do you get into marketing ops and the different paths we've all sort of taken to get there. there there's a lot of variety. I don't know if there's one, but let's say, you know, we want to avoid that, like breeding tactical, technical people as at the beginning. Do we need to be thinking differently about how we hire and do we need to be looking for people who have technology experience from the get-go um, as they enter into marketing ops? Or do we need to be maybe thinking about people who have sort of experience with other parts of say marketing or sales or other functional areas, but who are interested in, you know, have that, the other part, you know, the left brain, right brain combination. And that, you know, what, what's your take on that? I MH, how about you go first? Oh, Helen, you're going, okay. <laughs> I'm already jumping on. I really think it depends on like particular case and like particular role that is open right and like what is business needs and do you have a very strong technical support that like if you cannot have someone on a team would someone else help you you know some of it and i don't think there are any kind of like well probably statistical we can kind of identify like the most common scenarios but i do think that all of us see very different um stories and like people are coming like literally from everywhere would technical 
IT experience help? Yes, but it doesn't need that you need to have an IT degree. I mean, you can, but sure. not necessarily. And um, I do think it's more about some kind of like aptitude and attitude, <laughs> like to be able to spend a little bit more time that like an average user um, can spend in a particular tool and like identify how it works and like being able to, you know, go into details and all of that. But um, I would say I would be very open-minded and I would look for specific like cues and like character traits, almost like like something that I can sense as like, yeah, that's the guy, that's the person that we need to have. Yeah, I always, um, well, I mean, a lot of my thinking when I think about team building and hiring always comes back to diversity. And diversity for me very rarely means gender or skin color. It's it's more about diversity of thought and experience. Um, so when we would be building pods um, for a large project where we basically needed, um, you know, between our platform operations team and our campaign operations team, and we had 11 different teams, we were trying not to only have um, actual, you know, the diversity that the beam counters count when they say your company has diversity. We were trying to think about, is this person like that SME, right? Like, do you have a SME on, on this little, this grouping of teams who's always going to like be watching those releases and learning the newest cool capability um, and balance them out with the person who always wants to get something done and get it done with quality and balance them out with the person who is 40 hours a week, never misses a day of work, rarely works 41 hours a week. So you kind of have this happy balance on a team of, of being able to put these people together who, who complement each other, who have diverse ways of thinking of the world and have diverse experiences to bring to those teams. Um, and I think those make the best a any team, but I think it really helps, um, uh, people learn how what strategic thinking is or learn what work-life balance is and how to say no and and all of those things that are so hard for all of us to learn when we're coming into workplaces i want to compliment like this whole idea of intellectual diversity i think it's extremely important especially as like marketing ops are it's like it's just like huge it's so broad and there are so many niche, like so many functions and so many different roles you can have. And it really helps when you have very different and very diverse team um, that can handle it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Naomi, um, wondering what your conversations or, or maybe tidbits of your conversations have been like with um, some of the work that Highway Ed is doing in terms of kind of breeding talent to come into the marketing operations space. And, you know, we have, we're, we're fortunate enough to have a webinar coming up with them in a couple of weeks, um, along with Scott Brinker and, and Debbie Gagish. Um, I would, I would be interested because you've been helping to advise a little bit of the kind of content tracks, I think. Right. Um, so just wondering like what some of that advice might've been in terms of helping to find talent and curate talent into the space of marketing ops. Yeah, so it's been it's so far. Um, yeah, we're about partway through, and it's I've been advising them on their curriculum, and it's been interesting because some of it brings me back to when I started my career, and you know the questions that I wish I you know had somebody to ask, right? And so a lot of it is um, at 
the start, a very high-level overview of exactly what marketing operations is. Because back when, you know, I first started in this this industry, it wasn't even a defined thing. I don't think Marketo was even had even been born yet, right? It just it, mm-hmm. it was just well, we need someone to help build and send emails. I'm like, okay, well, I can do that, right? What does that mean? Um, yeah. And then it just grew into this, you know, industry and this career that's been, you know, really amazing to watch develop. But um, a lot of the uh, the guidance that I've been given have been giving so far has really been around things like, okay, what, how do you do stakeholder management? How do you do, um, you know, project management process control? How do you like, what are the questions that you need to ask stakeholders in order to develop a campaign from end to end, um, you know, role-playing activities, you know, things around, um, you know, like, sometimes folks don't necessarily know what they don't know. And so how do you guide those conversations when you are trying to help them develop a campaign and all of the end to end pieces, what assets do you need to build and to make sure that it runs not just efficiently, but on time and that you're able to deliver a level of service that they're expecting. Um, so a lot of it is discovery at the moment. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, uh, I too was hired into, my first role where it was like, Hey, Hey, we just really need a newsletter to be sent like once yeah, a month. Exactly. The first email <laughs> I sent was a newsletter yeah. to I think 50,000 people in North America. And it was just like, okay, Friday afternoon, just hit send. What could go wrong? Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Yeah. And then I, I feel like those newsletters are like the bane of every marketing ops oh person's existence because they're I like, oh, know, newsletters are free. It just takes yeah. a second and it's yeah. we're using our existing tools. And it's like, you know how much time those damn things take? Like yeah. if we're looking at the total cost, all of a sudden a newsletter is not just yeah. this little simple yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I had a newsletter. the MoPro's newsletter out. Because it takes a lot of time. <laughs> I, I had a newsletter that was so complicated because it was designed um, by. It was great, a great designer, but he designed it as if it was going to be print. Which, if you know, like that doesn't really translate well into email in particular, let alone web page. And it would take almost twenty percent of my team's time or one person's time every week just to get it built, tested you know, make sure all the links were right and, and then run it through everybody. And invariably there was always something wrong and the email didn't render right for the boss, like all those things. Right. So like, yeah, if we could get rid of newsletters, I would be a big fan. And it's always the boss who has their outlook at 125% every single (laughs) time. They're like, it's not rendering right. It's like, dude, I'm not rendering for 125% view on your outlook. Like there is not that's never going to happen. Yeah. Also, you didn't <laughs> update your Outlook uh, application for the last 16 years. So don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right. Going back to the IT um, conversation, update your machines, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> update your Chrome browser, please. Uh, and Microsoft Edge, like, sure, if you want to try to use it, go for it. I've heard good things. That was that is my biggest <laughs> IT go-to is like people who try and render for everything. Like in most of your marketing operations and email tools, you can see where your audience is opening it. Yep. Don't optimize for something where you don't have a single subscriber opening for. Totally. Like you can get rid of the edge cases. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's exactly why the simple like emails that look as if they were typed by somebody like an actual person, whatever email they're in, render the best because <laughs> yeah. it's just text. Yeah. Right? Just a text, plain text uh, email. Go for it. 
<laughs> and by the way, my experience is they always perform better. Right. Um, yeah, but, you know, bygones. Um, so uh, you like that Ally McBeal reference? I, mean, I know you and I have this like mind meld here. I can't wear my Ally McBeal suits anymore, but like it totally was uh, how I lived my, my life. <laughs> there you That's go. A great show. Uh, um, underrated too. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So what, well, yeah, I think one of the challenges, I know I had this like, you know, as a challenge at different places where uh, particularly at larger organizations, what I would find is like, there would be people in some other organization who would go off and buy some marketing or sales tech that then I find out, oh, we are no longer in compliance with privacy regulations because they're out there sending emails to this list that they went and like bought from someplace. But in general, right, I think we all know like the, the marketing tech and now I think sales tech as well, right? The, the, the space is exploding with tons and tons of vendors. And I think we all, like I expected a fair amount of consolidation to happen, which doesn't seem to be happening, at least not at the pace I expected it to. So, you know, how are you, like, how do you think that's affecting our ability to be good as, at, as technologists within marketing? And, and, and maybe are you seeing, like, is my perception, do you think you're seeing something different in the space where you're actually seeing that some of that consolidation or there's a slowdown in the growth of those vendors? What's, what's your take? MH, maybe you go first. No one's going to appreciate my perspective here. Uh, I actually would argue that um, operations functions should live um, in operations functions. So there should be a liaison, but the gas, I know, sorry. (laughs) Uh, You know, but I, I think because revenue ops and marketing ops and sales ops and web ops and all of these things are so dependent on each other for their success and so interrelated um, that they should be a function called out together. I, I feel like sales ops has always been sitting under sales. And then as a default, marketing ops got sat under marketing because the sales guy wanted to own the analyst so he could jimmy his numbers. And like the sales guy had the most pull in the company, like no IT guy can ever stand up to the sales guy. Um, and so I feel like that's historically how we got here. I, I would argue that a lot of this should be run using traditional ops tools. Like Helen made a, a post that just like spoke to my soul. And I think it's almost been two years ago and I still reference it all the time. She's like yet another um, inbound request by email that could have been a ticket. And like as marketing ops people, we don't use ticketing. So we don't have the visibility into our SLAs that we could because we don't have ticketing systems. And that's why um, IT and engineering use JIRA for ticketing tracking, right? Like it's um, a lot of what we do could be solved by using these IT and operational functions that are really well documented and really well understood in different functions. Um, so I think there are some... My, my counter to the experts would be to argue that a lot of this actually should not be a shadow IT function. It should actually be an IT function. Sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there's something to be said about all of it rolling into some kind of operational organization as it is. Like in the past role, we were, I happen to be interfacing with the client success operations professional at our organization who said, oh, by the way, this new client that's massive is coming on board and they're going to add some umpteen giant number of users into the product. Well, hey, marketing ops team, 
you should probably know that because you're going to get some giant <laughs> umpteen number of users pumped into the marketing database and you've got subscription tiers and you need to deal with that. And so I messaged the ops person and I said, hey, did you know this was happening? And he's like, nope, had no idea. Right. And so like just by having a CS ops, a marketing ops, a sales ops, a rev ops, and a biz ops person all sit in the same room and talk about what the heck is going on in the business. Like, uh, that's a win, <laughs> like let yeah. alone from just using systems that, that kind of follow the it structure, which like everybody needs to heed that advice, but just being able to hear what's going on in the business at the operational side of things is just a, a big win for us. See, I want to hear about this post from Helen. <laughs> this resonates two years later. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm listening and I'm thinking that um, some of what we're doing, there is a big risk that it will be attributed and like just like outsourced to IT entirely. And I do see this as like one of the biggest like risks that we might have as a like as a function as leaders because um you know you are losing lots of flexibility and lots of uh business opportunity if you're like just like treated as a like regular like like a utility function right you really need to innovate you really need to keep it like very connected to business outcomes um at the same time you know the craziness and this like whole notion of like oh we are managing it all and we are having all those tools but no one is following those like you know that no one is submitting a Jira ticket because it needs to be done yesterday like this is like we will need to figure this out and I do understand like I do believe that mobs are evolving right like and the whole function is changing and it might kind of like get to a place where we don't want to be just like Maybe it will be something else, but like the technology side of it, it might be at some point just like being considered some something outside of mobs. This is a little bit of dystopian. I'm just like I I, I, I think I think I think you know regard. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm totally bought in on MH's idea of it reporting to a central function like that. I'm also not opposed to it. I do think, like, if there's a revenue ops role, we had a whole episode earlier this year about what the hell is revenue ops, and I do, I do strongly believe that if if you've got that, that should roll up into like more of a COO or maybe a CRO, just because I think that's like it it helps take away some of the pull that happens from if you've got a leader that's really focused. As long as CRO isn't synonymous with head of sales, right? As long as it's real CRO. Not right. this like weird bastardization of CRO becoming sales. Well, and um, I agree. Yeah. And like in the way where it's not revenue operations, it was really sales operations too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I love like, so Lytics is a cool company who's got the revenue ops function rolling up to the CFO, for instance. So CDP in Portland. Um, and I think there's something really interesting there, right? Like there's, if, if these are the tools that in, um, inform our revenue projections. You know, I wouldn't have them rolling up to accounting. I think it needs to be a CFO, not a not a head of accounting. Yeah, um, I'm with you. On but that. I think it's a really interesting perspective. Yeah, I, I do. I do think. I think I'm seeing more and more of that where it's shifting out of either a head of sales or head of marketing. Um, so, okay, so 
In our last few minutes, I'm a, the question that we're starting to ask everybody is one of the things about um, you know, the MoPros community that we're trying to, to do is provide a lot of resources and everything else. But you know, one of the things we, we run into is there's no like, clear definition. And like, what, you know, if you could define you know, what is a certified marketing ops professional, right? What are, like, what are the top one or two things you would include in that, in that uh, for, for you? Helen, how about you go first? I think uh, the most important part would be uh, having certification with specific tools because I do think this is where it all starts. And in terms of like soft skills, I do think it's more important to have certain training, not necessarily. Like it might be like certification of training that you had at some point. Um, but I, I, I do think that it's so dependent. Like there are so many things that you cannot standardize across the entire function. Uh, that's why I'm kind of like having a hard time understanding how you can certify. <laughs> that, I mean, how you can be certified. It's like certified IT professional. Well, you need to be certified in something specific. MH, your thoughts? Um, it's funny. I, I was thinking about this recently. So to me, like the certified marketing ops professional and like to Helen's point, right? Like if I'm great at Marketo, I'm an I-shaped person. Like if you, have you heard the concepts of like the T-shaped and the I-shaped, right? Um, so kind of to Helen's point, a lot of people definitely need to be that I-shaped person where they're an expert on a platform. Um, to me, the certified uh, marketing ops certification is what is that T-shaped marketing ops professional look like? They're not going to have a super in-depth understanding of everything. But they are going to have a breadth of understanding uh, of these things. And if I could bring it back to something, um, I got to meet the CEO of a company here in Seattle called Ally. And they do OKRs and like everyone's all nuts about these OKRs. And I totally still don't understand the difference between KPIs and OKRs, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I love it. They, um I think what are the different measures that you would use for kind of each of the potential I-shaped categories? Um, that's what it would mean to me, right? Like I understand what this is. I kind of understand how to measure it. You know, I'm, I'm measuring my team against their capacity. I'm measuring my, um, my tech stack against its latency and throughput and uptime. I'm measuring, um, our impact on the organization by the velocity of MQLs, or I, I, those probably aren't actually the right measures. I'm just spitballing. But um, so for each of those, to me, to know what goes into it, to have an understanding that this even exists, and then to know how, in theory, I could be measured against it would, would mean a lot to me in, in a certified person. I think that's really uh, interesting. And it almost makes me think that there almost needs to be sort of and it's probably true in general, right? Two two tracks, right? One is where you're going to end up in more of a leadership role, where that the 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 T-shaped one is a little more appropriate, and, it, and one that's maybe a little more tactical, technical, you know, operational focus that would need to be more of the I-shaped. I don't, or, I, I, if, or yeah, that's the right way, right? I is the yeah. yes, yep. So the deep, I is the good deeply deep. deeply technical, 
in one particular platform. I, that seems to be the trend of where a lot of these like side conversations that I've been having with folks um, go as well. It's this concept of like a really technical certification that's beyond just the scope of like Marketo's certification or HubSpot certification, um, but something that speaks to their technical acumen. And then the other version of it is like a strategic um, more leadership oriented type of certification where, um, you're maybe it's, you're touching across different technologies and how those impact the business, which, you know, truthfully, like the T-shaped marketer is, is like less about technology and more about tactics like SEO and inbound and, uh, and PPC and all of these different types of campaign executions. But I think that that's very different from a T-shaped marketing operations professional, which is what you're talking about, MH. And, and so maybe we have an opportunity to, to uh, shape that T <laughs> to have it become, you know, a, a bit of what that descriptor um, that you provided uh, looks like in the future. So I think there's an opportunity. And, and Helen, to your point, like, it is hard. It's, it's really hard to figure out, like, how to certify these professionals. Like, it, it would be weird to say that I'm a certified IT professional um, because like broadly it's just never been brought up, right? Like how, how, do, what does that even mean? It's like, oh, okay. I'm an expert in Microsoft and Azure and, and those kinds of things. Um, maybe Macs versus PCs or something. Um, but I think what marketing operations offers is an entirely different, uh, suite of, of challenges, right? Like we are faced with technical and business strategic challenges on a day in day out basis and, and being brought questions about whether or not we can spam email somebody. <laughs> and so like, you shouldn't do that. And, and, and yeah. you should know the answer better. to that one is just no. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, and you should know better. And if you're certified, like you, you probably have enough of a background to understand that it's not okay to do that kind of stuff. So my know. first AI bot I want to build, I want it to um, go and sit on top of the campaign requests. And if any campaign request says blast in it <laughs> anywhere, that it automatically declines and deprioritizes it. If you've totally. asked if we can blast anyone, anything, we're going to automatically decline it. And I don't need to spend time on that request. I totally and tried to. Jira request goes into like closed immediately. Right? <laughs> yes, it's just closed. <laughs> No, it's done. Yeah, I tried to remove the the terminology batch and blast from my vocabulary somewhere around five to seven years ago. (laughs) Please don't say that to me anymore. (laughs) I think all of us get under the table and start crying when we hear it. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny that we talk about these two tracks because guess guess what functions tend to have this already defined IT and engineering, right? So um, that's been around for a while. Well, as, I, as, as much as I hate to say it, I think we need to wrap this up. Uh, MH, Helen, thank you so much. This has been a really fun conversation uh, and a topic that I think is probably near and dear to all of us. Um, where can people find you if they want to stalk you online, of course, not in like at your houses? <laughs> I mean, I'm so desperate to hang out with people in real life at this point. I'd be totally fine with it. I'd come to my house. <laughs> Um, so I'm at Stack Moxie, uh, S-T-A-C-K-M-O-X-I-E.com is the company. Um, and then, uh, and I get alerted anytime anyone fills out a form. So you can totally get me there. Um, or I'm LinkedIn. Please feel free to add me, uh, MH Lines, LinkedIn and slash 
M-H-L-I-N-E-S. Yeah, and I'm also active on LinkedIn, so you can find me there. And I'm always looking forward to new conversations, new connections, and reading you, listening to you as well. Awesome. Or DM me in the uh, community, obviously. Sorry, Mike. Yeah. Michael, that no was bad. Sorry, they Oof. don't have to be in the community either. It's all about. <laughs> but if you, hey, it's all about. But if you are everybody else. But if you are, yeah. Come on. But and if you're not, and you want to learn more about the community, go to themopros.com and find it. Where you can also find the podcast at themopros.com/opscast. Um. And everyone, thanks. This has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, again, for those of you who are listening, thank you. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And we look forward to episode 14 coming out in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.